0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: When you need to know what's happening, it's time to get In the Huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaConfora. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle, guys. We're here. It's the Super Bowl, and now we know it's the Eagles and the Chiefs that will play in Phoenix in about 10 days from now as we record this podcast for you guys. Reminder, we put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Subscribe, like us, and tell your friends. I'm Carl Dukes. Put them up, along with Jason Lock on 4, and of course our man Brian Baldinger is a part of this podcast as well. He'll be here on Thursday as we look ahead to the Super Bowl. But today, Jason, we look back. And we got a lot to talk about, man. I mean, coaching hires, fires, yeah. um, and, and then the games themselves. And, and let's start with with what we saw with the Eagles. A lot of people think the Eagles haven't been tested. They beat the Giants thirty eight seven. They now have beaten the Forty Nine ers thirty one seven. And people are like, this team hasn't been tested. And I'm just like, they're this this good, Jason. I think they're this good. I don't think it's about being tested. You got
2: to play who's in front of you. How do you feel about how dominant the Eagles have looked? it's a hell of a football team and they didn't play anywhere close to their a game short throws little just checkdowns nothing seemed to be smooth let alone you know some of the deep shots that weren't even close yeah like i've heard some of that like what you said i started picking up some of that chatter yesterday and one of the young fellows who works at our radio station is a commander's fan you know what i mean and he was kind of like hey you know go look at who they play i haven't really played anybody i'm like I don't know, man. They played 16 games with their starting quarterback, and they won 15 of them. Like it's pretty good, and they they did a lot of it in commanding fashion. A lot of it, these games were over at halftime, you know. And then on the second half is garbage time. It's the Eagles kind of coasting, and then it close up. But that game was in question. One team took off, and left another one in dust. And the defense is so good. It's so deep the D line rotation is so special. Like we talked about it last week and everybody's saying, Oh, they got Sue to stuff the run. Yeah, but yes, they, they did. Cause that was the immediate need at that time when Jordan Davis went down. But when that whole group is there and healthy, they can keep them on a pitch count and there's stuff that's schemed up for Sue to be designated pass rusher. And we saw him affect that game in the passing game and the run game. There's just so many options. Um, and they're the most, balanced team in the league. I mean, you can make that case. They can take away your run. They can take away your pass. And we can now sit here and say they didn't play anybody. But all season long, all I heard was the NFC East is the best division in football. And the (laughs) NFC East versus every other division in football dominated, right? The only time NFC East teams lost is when they played each other. It was, like, incestuous. So, like, now everybody sucks? I don't know. I think they're a pretty good team. I do, too. Um and
1: the thing is, and I want to mention this about Nick Sirianni for a second before we talk about the the Brock Purdy injury, um, and the Eagles moving on to the Super Bowl. Sometimes you get the right guy who fits not only your team but maybe your city, and I I, I really believe that now with Nick Sirianni. Now he had a crap press conference to start. Yeah, we I killed him. Um, because he just sounded incoherent and he sounded like he did not know the direction of what he wanted to do or where he wanted to take this football team. Yeah. I have since learned that that particular press conference, which happened during the pandemic, he's on a zoom call. He's not looking at anybody. He's nervous. He's sweating. You know, he looks out of place. So I'm willing now, yeah. you know, two years later to give him a pass, but I will say this. It looks like Jason, he's the right guy for that team and that city.
2: Yeah. He gets that fan base. Um, and sort of the cult of it. He is very much the everyman, you know what I mean? He doesn't act like he's a multimillionaire. Like I mean, he obviously is. I mean, even the youngest sure. coaches in this league are four or five million dollars now. But he looks like a dude you would see at the end of the bar, you know what I mean? <laughs> Watching yep. the game. And he very much fits that blue collar ethos. Um, he talked like a highfalutin coach he doesn't try to make it out like football is advanced trigonometry you know what i mean or or or, or, you know aerospace engineering um the players like him feel his vibe uh he's put together a great coaching staff we'll see if he loses any of his assistants as these you know these coaching this coaching cycle continues to play out and they've done the most important thing you can do in the NFL, which is develop a young quarterback while he's making no money on his rookie contract. And and um, it's turned out to be an inspired hire. And at the time it, it looked like that coaching search was maybe spiraling a little bit. But Howard Roseman, who has had the minus touch here for a while, I mean, everything yeah. that GM has done has come up aces, including now – This high and that coaching staff, which I mean, you move off of a guy who just won you a Super Bowl a couple years ago, right? And you move off of a quarterback who, before he got hurt the first time, was the favorite to win the MVP award that year. And two years later, you're in the Super Bowl like that. Usually, you you move, you make seismic decisions like that, right? Usually, you're in the abyss for two or three years and then you start climbing out, right? right. And now, you're going to tell me, oh, and by the oh, by the way, the NFC division that you ascended the Super Bowl, I, I I wouldn't have bought stock in Nick Sirianni. You know what I mean? Getting to a Super Bowl in, in a couple of years, three years, whatever it was, I, I wouldn't have done that. And remember, they already started turning the corner last year when they made the playoffs. So I mean, like, they weren't down very long at all.
1: Yeah, it, it is amazing. And Howie Roseman, you're right. The way he built this roster, those moves. We know, Jason, that's gotten general managers fired, right? Uh, oh, yeah. he, he's been there a long time, so they trust him. But the the Sirianni hire and the move to go draft Jalen Hurts, I think were the two biggest components of this run that they're on now. Yeah. And it may set up for a couple more years. I mean, th- this may be their window, you know, when we talk about the next four or five years challenging to be back in the, <sighs> the NFC championship game. It is in the huddle, guys. Let's talk about this Brock Purdy injury. He's got a UCL injury. It's torn we found out yesterday he's supposed to le- at least miss up to, to six months. Yeah. Jason, it could be longer. Yeah. So the 49ers now have a quarterback dilemma. It's a good thing because both of these guys are under contract, right? Trey Lance, Purdy, they're going right. to be there. But I don't know <clears throat> if, if Brock Purdy is quarterback number one. If right. you were to ask me heading in the next August, six months or eight months from now, whatever it's going to be, that he's the the, the quarterback that, that starts. So Trey Lance is coming off this injury. He had two surgeries. I don't know what his situation will be. Yeah. What do you do if you're the 49ers? Because is this just an open competition? Because if he needs Tommy John, there's no way in hell he's playing next year, which means Trey Lance is quarterback number one,
2: right? Well, you can't bank on that. I mean, Trey Lance hasn't played football with any regularity since high school. I mean, that's that's a fact. Um, the COVID year, barely playing, you know what I mean, at, at North Dakota State, um, everything that's going on in his pro career, sitting and the injuries, like, hasn't played football. I mean, the, those two young men desperately would need a whole offseason with Kyle Shanahan, OTAs, and minicamp and all that. And by it's the way, not Jason be there. Other than the reps. Like, I
1: don't want to just. I think you're absolutely right. I just want to there is an emphasis on the offseason. And I say this to people all the time and fans because people think it's bull crap, right? OTAs, who cares? If you have young quarterbacks right. in a system like this, and we know Kyle you have to have those guys in to put the work in and build throughout the off season. Yes. And, and it's important. So I don't want anybody to say, well, oh, that doesn't mean anything. They don't need this. This no. isn't Tom Brady.
2: Right. And this isn't some fifth year pass rusher. You know what I mean? Like who, who you know what I mean? Who's got his moves and got his counters. No, the, these, these guys, it's, it's imperative for them. Um, And even if Brock Purdy like had just, played okay in that game and not gotten hurt i still would say there's got to be an adult in that room there's got to be someone in that quarterback mix who has a different profile from brock purdy and a different profile from trey lance and wrote about this over the weekend the washington post I, i did a column connecting all the quarterback dots and i started with tom brady going to san francisco not because I thought Purdy was gonna get hurt in that game, but just because I thought Purdy might end up looking a lot more like Mr. Irrelevant than <laughs> the bona fide franchise quarterback that Kyle Shanahan's gonna finally win a Super Bowl with. So, and and he'll go there. He wants he wants to be there. It's a homecoming. Shanahan's wanted him in the past. And they've shown you with Brock Purdy that with everything humming along there, all you need is 17 completions a game. True. You don't. Like So why not have the GOAT do that? Because the GOAT will see things that Brock Purdy will never see. He'll make passes that Brock Purdy will never make. Nothing will be too big for him. And you've got the run game. You've got the O-line. You've got the number one defense. You've got a great home field advantage. And it's and he's going to go there dirt cheap. It's not like Aaron Rodgers, who you got to find a way to pay him $60 million and compromise the rest of the He just wants to get one more ring. He wants to be the first guy to go to three different places and win at all of them. So, like, it's going to be team-friendly. It's going to be cap-friendly. He gets where he is at this stage of this career. He's going to understand when, you you know, you've got to give reps to these other guys to get them going. I just think it, it's it, – I thought it was the best scenario before. Now I think it's, it's far and away the ideal scenario. Um, Peyton Manning barely threw the ball in Denver his final year, and they won a Super Bowl. And this version of Tom Brady is a hell of a lot better than – the final season of Peyton Manning. So I just think it's it's it makes all the sense in the world.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And and here's the crazy thing. Uh the 49ers are in win mode now, right? Win now. They're about to pay Nick Bosa 30 million dollars, guys. Yeah. Okay. You're gonna pay Bosa 30 a year. He's one of, if not the best defensive players in the league. So you take care of that and you bring in Tom Brady, and yeah. all of a sudden you're still in win now mode. That's the Absolutely. key. So it's not about taking a year off and waiting until these quarterbacks no. develop. No. you got to win now. And their defense, and now all that you just talked about, Jason, they're built to do that. Uh, it's Carl Dukes. It is. Jason Thora This is in the huddle, guys. We do it every week, and we'll do it throughout the offseason. So much going on around the NFL. Eagles advance over the 49ers. We're talking about the Brock Purdy injury. Um, I, I want to ask you about the officiating real quick before we get to the Chiefs game and what Patrick Mahomes was able to do. They put together, the NFL puts together these NFL all-star crews. They're supposed to be, folks, the best of the best. It was the worst of the worst on Sunday. The NFL refereeing crews were way too involved, I thought, in both games. Um, I heard more from them than I wanted to. So what's the issue, Jason? What's the problem with the technology and using it, like, for example, the Skycam or whatever the hell it's called? and overturning the calls that are blatantly obvious
2: to you and I and other football fans around the country? Well, I think the mere premise that we're going to pick through this roster and put the best guys together, why isn't everybody the best guy? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. How do we have this cast system where – you're worthy of doing, you know, a one PM game that only eight percent of the country is going to see, and you're worthy of like. How about we? This is a I don't know what their gross revenues are a year. They're north of twenty billion. Like, how about we take a little less stuffing into our pockets as owners, and we put a little more into the officiating department, and yeah. make this a year-round enterprise. And there's an NFL officiating headquarter, just like all these teams, right? Every team at the practice. So, actually, gee, for all the money they make, there could be an East coast one and a West coast one. You know what I mean? You have one in Florida and one in Arizona, like the IMG Academy. And the NFL is going to dedicate tens of millions of dollars into turning this into a incubator for long-term officials. And, there's going to be a program where certain guys who finish playing and they want to be close to the game and they don't want to be a GM and they don't want to be a broadcaster and they don't want to be a coach. They want to be on the field in a different way and they already know all the rules, right, because they just left the game and they know how modern players are thinking because they just left the game. And you create a three-year program that puts them to the CFL, puts them to here, there, there, and and you you create, like baseball has through the minor leagues, leagues you, you, yeah. you create this pyramid where you work up the ladder and you're constantly working games and all these spring leagues now and whatever. Like, I don't think a dude should be mowing lawns, you know what I mean? Or, or, or you know, stocking shelves or, you know, pounding a gavel here, adjudicating cases through the week, and then this is my one-day-a-week job. And I don't want really to hear anymore about, like, how much studying they do and all the Zooms they have, you know. And all the materials they get. Nah, man, you should all be in the classroom together. You you should be humans interacting with each other through the week. Not dudes talking to each other on Zoom and everybody's flying to the game from someplace else. And now we do this game and then it's over. Like, if you're going to stick your hand way down deep in that gambling cookie jar, then you better clean this mess up. It's terrible. It it is.
1: And that's the other side of this, Jace. You know what? Millions of dollars being exchanged hundreds of millions of dollars being exchanged, it matters. The official screwing this up matters, man. So I, I was really disappointed with the officiating crews as a whole, but I, it's about how we fix it. And the competition committee has got to get together
2: this offseason. I'm with you. They've got to look at this. It takes money and it takes infrastructure and it takes a master plan. It's it's like a- There should be 33 teams in the NFL. Team 33 should be – research development officiating yes let's get real microchips that work you know what i mean like let's get more science involved let's make a real investment in that and let's find guys who are willing to do this as their vocation not their side hustle i totally agree let's move on to kansas city
1: beating the Bengals. patrick mahomes guys i thought this was the most impressive performance i've seen uh, in watching sports since maybe the flu game, only because of the magnitude of it. Yeah. Fifth AFC championship game for him at home. He's on one leg. We knew he wasn't healthy, and then you saw it as the game played out. And this dude throws over 300, uh, 300 yards, two touchdowns, and makes the biggest play of the game on one leg. Yeah. So – he is absolutely hands down, undisputed, the best quarterback in the NFL. I love Burrow. I love Herbert. I love Allen. But it's not even close because this dude's about to be in another Super Bowl and a chance to win another Super Bowl before the age of 30. So, Jason, Kansas City and the defense, is it underrated? We knew Mahomes would make plays. What about, what about Clark and all these guys on the defense that just are making plays? Wow.
2: Like they had, they had it look that they that was their best defensive outing in a long time. Um, look, I think the Bengals, there was a lot of coaching blunders this weekend. You know, this narrative that stuff just happens to Kyle Shanahan, I get kicked out of that. Like, (laughs) oh, poor Kyle, he was a part of this, he was a part of that, he was on the sidelines when this happened. No, no, he was coaching. Like, yeah, no, don't give me passive verbiage with this guy, right? No, no, no. He wasn't there. He wasn't present. He wasn't. In know, innocent bystander. He wasn't, yeah, wasn't standing on the corner, <laughs> got ran over by a bus. Now, nah, man, he's driving the bus. He's driving the bus. He drove the bus off a of Cliff. Um. So, yeah, I think there were a lot of questionable decisions there. And I, I felt like the Bengals coaching staff were naive in their approach to that game. And in the first quarter, it's like we're going to do our stuff. We're going to flex our muscles. We're going to push the ball downfield offensive line woes be damned and see what that looked like mm. well they basically gave that quarter away had no yards the quarterback's running for his life and then finally they leaned into the running game and the screen game and not the screen as a check down the screen is the main thing like we've got devised screens to get the ball in jamar chase's hands within five yards of the line of scrimmage not 45 yards downfield and once they recalibrated i felt like they won the rest of the game now that only got them back to even right because they they dug out of that hole They dug out of another hole, but they could never get the lead. So I I think the first quarter really put the Chiefs in in the position they needed to be in because we weren't sure if they could chase the game with a downfield passing game if they had to because of Mahomes' limitations. Oh, and and by the way, they lost. They ran out of receivers. So I I really feel like, had the Bengals been a little smarter with their approach to that first quarter and come in ground and pound, they'd probably win that football game. Um, Saying all that, Chris Jones and company did rip their face off in the first quarter, did force the Bengals away from their, you know, from their main thing. And Mahomes did amazing stuff on one leg for them to win. So am I buying the defense? Like Spags had a hell of a day. It was a great matchup for them against a team with two offensive linemen and not a team loaded up, you know, with, with, with extra tight ends and stuff like that. This is a different this is a different monster. Different challenge they have coming up. It's a different monster this week. Because yes. it's arguably the best offensive line in the league. It is a run game that can beat you with individual brilliance and beat you with scheme and multiplicity in the option game and playing around with the mesh point and who's the ball going to. I mean, they've got four dudes they trust running the ball there, right? Yep. Scott Gainwell, uh, Sanders, and the quarterback. Very different approach than the Bengals. And it didn't show up last week, but for most of the season, outside the pocket, when Hurts gets outside the pocket, he's killing teams outside the numbers deep. So I think they stress that defense in a lot of different ways. And I think it's going to force Spaggs to pick his poison a lot more than how he could tee off on that Bengals offense in the first quarter. Um I didn't think they could hold the Bengals to 20. I thought that game was going to be like 24, 21 Cincinnati. I didn't think they could hold the Bengals to 20. And I didn't think the Chiefs were getting to 24, 25. Um, so I think it was great. I think it was necessary. It was huge. I don't think they're holding the Eagles. Like, I, I, they can't run that game plan and hold the Eagles to 20. I I, I don't think that I don't think they're holding the Eagles in the teens. I, I just – and it's, it's there's it's too much volume. There's too much quality in that offense. And, again, it's the balance. You know, the Bengals never ran the ball all year except for week 13 against the Chiefs and the previous week Beautiful. against Buffalo. Yeah. The Eagles run the ball whenever they want to run the ball, including eventually against that vaunted 49ers front where the levy broke in the second half.
1: Four rushing touchdowns for the Eagles on Sunday. They've got 39 as a team. It's an NFL record, to Jason's point. They run the football down your throat. And you have to account. Here's the bigger thing for me. You have to account for the quarterback. Yes. You have to account for Jalen Hurts. So...